Hi there, I'm Oshin Lunny, and it's my pleasure to wish you a very warm welcome to our first episode of season two of the Siemens Advanta podcast. Once again, we start an exciting journey with our fabulous guests and dive deeper into the technologies involved in the digital transformation and look at how different industries are tapping the full potential of IoT. And today we're going to be exploring the digital grid and redefining the energy system with two superb guests. Please welcome to our virtual stage, Dr. Sabina Erlinghagen, the CEO of Digital Grid at Siemens Smart Infrastructure. Welcome, Sabina. Welcome, everyone. And please welcome to our virtual stage, the Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer at E.ON, Thomas Beer. Hi, good morning, Sabina. Hi, good morning, Oshin. Very nice to be here. Welcome, Thomas. Great to have you both here. So on the Siemens Advanta podcast, we like to start every episode with a question that helps our listeners get a bit of an insight into your personal lives. And seeing as we're talking about energy, the grid, power, I thought it would be interesting to find out what is your most treasured electrical item or the favorite thing that you do with electricity in your everyday life? What could you not live without? Uh, Starting with yourself, Sabina. In many cases, I try to go away from electricity into nature, into the mountains. But there's one little device that makes life in the mountains, especially when I'm mountain biking, which is my passion, really, really easy. And that's uh, my GPS navigation system. So I can find the best path and be out there in nature, even in terrain, which I don't know. Fantastic. Yes, I I do like walking in nature myself. I'm not not quite as adventurous as you with the mountain bike. And your good self, Thomas, what is the thing you couldn't live without in your life that's powered by electricity? I would like to build a little bit on what Sabine said, having power in a remote area. Actually, I'm living very much on the countryside uh, in a former farmhouse, and I have a power connection to the public grid, but that's basically all. Then the rest is state-of-the-art, but very remote. I'm pumping my own fresh water. I have fresh water treatment. I have a sewage plant. I have photovoltaics. I charge my car with electricity. I have batteries as a backup. Electricity is all around me. Right? If my power drops for longer than half a day, I'm dead in the water, right? Literally. But having said that, what I really would miss is if the coffee machine wouldn't work anymore. Yeah? Totally. I share your panic of a world without coffee. I have to have coffee every morning. I grind the beans with an electric bean grinder. It's just gorgeous and aromatic. And I really would miss it. I guess my perfect device would be something that plays music and makes coffee at the same time. And for sure, it'd be powered by electricity. I'd love it if we could start our discussion today, just taking a bit of time to explore What is a digital grid? So Thomas, do you want to kick us off there and share with the listeners, what is a digital grid and, you know, why is it important? My vision of a digital grid is knowing exactly what is happening at each inlet, at each outlet, at each connection point in real time. And on top of that, being able to influence, being able to switch and not manually, but applying artificial intelligence, algorithm to do the necessary switches. Because the name of the game at the end of the day is bringing supply and demand into balance as close as possible to the consumer and to the point of generation. That's my vision of a digital grid. 
Very cool. I like that vision very much indeed. So it's transparent, it's self-maintaining, it's self-managing, self-optimizing. These are very exciting times to be working in energy, to be part of this whole revolution at this time in human history. But Sabina, I wonder, why do you think we need a digital grid? What are the kind of driving forces behind it from your perspective? Thomas, I couldn't have put it to the point better. That's exactly what we are up to and, and what needs to happen. The so-called DERs, distributed energy resources, and their EV charging and the likes also uh, come into the game. The addition of that will increase sevenfold over the next decade. And 7x growth is mind-boggling. So why do we need a smarter grid? It's pretty easy because you need to cope with that. And it starts with the sheer process of planning that DER, adding it to the grid, giving permission that it doesn't do harm to the grid and that the grid can cope with it, keep stable, and then managing it as it feeds into or consumes from the grid at all those endpoints. And that complexity and at so many places in the grid is just something that humanly is no longer manageable. Fascinating. Yeah, there's, there's more transparency, there's more visibility, there's so much more data. As you say, it's too much for a room full of engineers, even the best engineers to handle because there's so much of it. And we need to move to this place where AI is assisting and providing this kind of superpower in terms of how we all access energy moving forward. We can talk about transparency, but those are all kind of, in the end, nice to have things. The ultimate proof of the pudding is powering our lives and uh, and keeping the lights on, because that's, in the end, a huge social factor, a health factor. It's an economic factor. Um, so we're really talking about basically it all. <laughs> so it, it, that's what makes it so crucial and, and so exciting to be in that industry at this time. Oh, totally. Staying with yourself, Sabine, talk to us a bit about kind of the big picture, the big worldview as to why it is important to move to a digital grid and where humanity needs to go in terms of sustainability. We need to get to carbon neutrality at the very, very, very latest 2050. We would be much better off if we did it much earlier. What that takes is a lot of renewable energy, while at the same time we're electrifying the world, right? not energy consumption, but electricity consumption will go up and will double, while at the same time we need to get that electricity to carbon neutrality as fast as we humanly can. The grid at some point in time can't cope with the conventional means anymore. And the question really is, when is that point? We just did a survey with some of our customers, and I think something like more than half of them we're thinking that we will start to see problems within the next three years or latest the next five years. And the main thing that we saw coming up is actually not the solar piece so much, but the EV charging, because that is clustered in few local areas. Mm, very interesting. And uh, Thomas, what's your take on this? We have a huge challenge ahead of us, but also a huge chance. The digitization piece in the grid and also in the customer business. Don't miss out that one. At the end of each power line, there is a customer with his demands. And the customers which are growing into our portfolio now are basically digital natives who are born in this world, right? When we talk about EVs, in 10 years from now, we will have 
at least half of the domestic power demand, which we have now, on wheels on top of it. It also changes our customer perception. I mean, we as utilities, we are coming from a world where we don't serve customers, but we are sending electrons and molecules to meet us. The future is different, right? I mean, there are customers who have a customer demand, a desire requiring a digital experience, no matter where they are. Even on the motorway in the cities, they cannot be, uh, let's say, simply connected with their meter. At the end of the day, we are talking about customer identities, customers on platforms, right? That's the big challenge, not only a technical one, it's also a philosophical change of how we look at the system at the end of the day, right? Yes. Are there any examples of the digital grid in action in the world that you just think are fantastic and you'd like to call them out or anything that you're working on yourselves or together? Where can people look if they want to see this stuff working right now? Thomas? There is one amazing project that we delivered after four years of research and, and bringing equipment into the field that's called Design Nets. It is basically tackling the question that locally the hotspots of renewable production and the hotspots of power consumption fall apart a bit. You find consumption more in the urban areas and uh, power generation, wind and solar more on the countryside, right? How to connect that? How to transport that? How to find new ways of local storage, of local consumption, which is already solved on PowerPoint, but not in too many places in reality, right? That is an amazing project, which brought us a lot of insights. Fantastic. Those are great examples. Thank you very much, Thomas. And over to yourself, Sabina. Are there any cool examples of the digital grid in action or this kind of ecosystem thinking? I think let's travel a little bit over the ocean and uh, go to California for a second. There's CalISO, the California ISO, who actually has an amazing system of trading flexibility and making it worthwhile for both industrial sites and infrastructure sites and households to connect renewables to the system. So in their area, and by the way, that is expanding pretty uh, nicely, they operate a clearinghouse mechanism and a marketplace, which actually uh, caters not only for the grid stability in the end, but for the financial return. If we think about smart grids, we can think about prosumers and, and all that stuff. But in the end, it's an investment decision of whether, and everybody knows that, do I put the solar on my roof? Is it worthwhile to put a battery next to it? There is some kind of saving mechanism in the sense of I don't need to buy the electricity from the grid or I consume less because I have some energy efficiency gains. But a very, very important aspect is that ability to trade both energy as well as flexibility in the markets. And therefore, Caliso in this case is a great example for offering such platforms. There are more of those trading mechanisms around in other countries. And every time where there is, you see renewables, you see flexibility, decentral energy resources really on the rise because the business case then becomes so much more obvious. Talk to us a bit about the importance of the digital grid opportunity for these larger kind of installations. Sure. And I think it's one topic that I find extremely important. And it's two trends that come together here. If you talk to the CEOs of the Fortune 500 or very, very large companies, 
everybody. And I think there was a stat saying 99% of CEOs of companies with a turnover of more than 1 billion have a CO2 agenda and believe that CO2 reduction and carbon neutrality is essential to their business success. So if that is the case, then obviously I need to go into my supply chain and everything, but I need to look at my sites. I need to look at my buildings. Are they carbon neutral? I need to look at what are my power sources? Do I have like renewable energy on site? Do I have storage on site? How do I provide car parks for my fleets of EV charging and all of that. And here you go. I mean, a larger industrial site or a larger infrastructure site is a microgrid in the end, right? So you need to optimize the consumption, the storage, and what you consume or feed back into the grid, first of all, locally. And then you have this interconnection point with the grid and you feed that back and you look at uh, trading mechanisms on where you can get that return of investment. Yes, super interesting. I mean, the, the sustainability agenda, the, the carbon targets, you know, sometimes it's the elephant in the room, but in the discussions that we're having, they're very much front and center, which I love. It's brilliant. It's real kind of a corporate responsibility and showing leadership that can really inspire the rest of the sector. So coming over to yourself, Thomas, I came across the concept of sector coupling when I watched uh, one of our previous podcast guests, Cedric Nika, give a presentation about the Expo 2020 in Dubai. He was talking about the huge opportunity here and how it's sort of part of this shift from ecosystems to ecosystems, if you like. Talk to us a bit about sector coupling, what it means and what is the opportunity in this sector. In the past, we tended to see each sector separately and burden them with targets to get to carbon neutrality. Having a look at all participants in the ecosystem as one system and reaping the benefits at the interfaces, that's what I mean with sector coupling. And where does it play out? I am deeply convinced that also in future, when we are targeting at a zero-carbon world, it will still be a dual-fuel world. When we are talking about an all-electric world, it's not only domestic generated electricity, which will be consumed locally, it will also be green electrons coming as molecules, as hydrogen derivatives, as green gases also. And why is that? For the simple reason that in Europe, on our continent, we simply don't have enough space to become self-suppliers with direct use of electricity. So green molecules need to come from somewhere. So that's where and why sector coupling becomes so super important. Amazing. That's super interesting. That's a real glimpse into the future there. Thank you, Thomas. So, you know, this is a very positive picture. Every way that you look at it, this whole area of the digital grid sounds like a huge win-win opportunity. But that does raise the question, why haven't we done it any sooner? <laughs> Who's got some visibility on that? Definitely. Unfortunately, the topic of regulation stands out. There's one thing that is in the way of that happening faster. And sometimes it's the big straits of regulation in the sense of those energy markets. Are they there or the flexibility markets? Are they available? The whole topic of unbundling, so having generation, transmission, distribution, and then retail separate. So if I make a copper cable investment, I get that reimbursed by those regulatory mechanisms 
while investing in software might not qualify for the same funding. So it's sometimes the micro-regulation, if you want to call it that way, apart from the big straits that I was alluding to in the beginning, that really is in the way and where we are all in all not fast enough. Obviously, we would love to have all of the countries doing it in a similar way because then technology investment pays off. If every country does it in a very different way, any technology investment that you do only pays off on a very small scale. Thomas, maybe you have a different aspect or you want to chime in on that one. I couldn't agree more. Regulation rewards asset investments putting copper into the ground and not digital investments so far, right? There are also differences in how regulators and authorities look at energy systems. I give you an example in Sweden, where we are also serving more than 1 million customers. We are just about to install the second generation of smart meters with a smart meter penetration, which is extremely high. In Germany, we have not started. Yeah. The whole uh, rollout of smart meter is incredibly overburdened with, let's say, bureaucratic requirements, technical requirements, uh, data protection concerns, and whatnot. Yeah. So the answer is, is also more complex. I would not say that we are simple followers of regulatory demand. Also, we haven't been that pushy in the past. Yeah? So far, there was not the big problem to solve. Now there is a change, right? We see a push from our customers. We see a new generation of also our employees rattling the cage. Yeah? I don't want to miss out that one. And we see the political uh, mainstream changing. Yeah? And now it's about time. Nothing can withstand a great idea when the time has come. Yeah? And that's where we are today. I think it is true. We were in the process of writing a white paper and one big theme that we noticed there, it's this going from gradual to sudden and this sense of urgency. And I mean, we've talked about smart meter data being used for whatever type of thing for so long. And I just catched myself stopping to believe in it at a certain moment of time. And what you see now is that it actually starts to be there. So we actually have projects where we use smart meter data for low voltage transparency, where we use live smart meter data for grid planning and grid simulation purposes. So those were use cases which were talked about for ages and ages, but they never really happened. Yes, there were millions of pilot projects out there with feasibility studies, whatnot, but they were just excuses for not doing it in real life because it wasn't really needed. And I think we, we are approaching that tipping point from gradual to sudden as we speak, because it starts to become real. 100%. So the future has arrived. The future is now. It's about time. This win-win scenario has such momentum behind it. It is the thing that everybody is talking about, the thing that everybody literally wants to plug into. So we're in this new, brave new world. We've got EVs, sector coupling, big data. Uh, we're driving towards a, you know, carbon zero. Uh, we're living in the world and working in a world of connected ecosystems. So my question to both of you, starting with yourself, Thomas, is, is a digital grid a nice to have or a must have and why? It's definitely a must have. The future will be electric, no doubt about it. We will see substantially more electrons in the system than we see today. We will simply not be able 
to manage the system by putting more copper into the ground. The only answer or the only uh, measures we can set up to manage the system of the future is bring demand and supply together as locally as possible. Yeah, Every electron which will be consumed as close to the point of production is a winning situation at the end of the day. Yeah? And that is something which you cannot do manually that only works with digitizing the grid end to end. On top of that, I mean, it's not a purpose in itself, right? Our customers, they switch to those suppliers who can deliver that, you know? Get your stuff done. That's what our customers say and excite us. Yeah? And that is the ball we have to catch at the end of the day, right? 100%. I mean, it kind of echoes the, the telco experience there. They were very afraid of becoming dumb pipes. And, you know, what people want is not dumb power, it's smart power. It's, it's, it's power that dovetails with their high expectations of superb interconnected customer experience that, uh, that kind of meets the customer experience they're having in many other sectors. So over to yourself, Sabina, what would you say? What's your verdict on the digital grid? Is it a nice to have or a must have and why? must have 100% clear <laughs> there's no chance whatsoever that a 7x growth in der so distributed energy resources can be done with the conventional ways especially not only because if we want to keep the lights on but do that in an economic way so if we just use the old ways then there's a lot of copper and a lot of technology that we need to add to all of the distribution grid, which is economically a non-starter. And unless you go smart about this, you won't keep the lights on and you will get exploding costs. Wonderful. So there you have it. The digital grid is absolutely this season's must-have accessory for the modern home factory municipality and for our modern world. Thank you so much to our powerful guests for keeping the lights on literally and supercharging our lives with the very best combination of technology and joined up ecosystem thinking. Thank you to Dr. Sabina Erlinghagen from Siemens. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And to Thomas Bitter from E.ON. Thank you, Thomas, for joining us. My pleasure. It was really a great session. Thanks to both of you. Awesome. Listeners, thanks so much for joining us, all of us, for this fascinating conversation. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to tell your friends and feel free to subscribe to season two of the Siemens Advanta podcast wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. <laughs>